Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com, the No Fluff Actionable Marketing Podcast for marketers, marketing consultants, founders, and tech people who are just sick of shady, aggressive marketing. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. In today's episode, you'll learn how to get a lot of conversions from your landing pages with minimum changes, minimum iterations. Uh, my guest today is a consultant. He helps SaaS companies to turn more visitors into customer, and he does that with better messaging, better positioning. He has plenty of uh, clients in the SaaS and startup world, a quite impressive uh, client list. He's been doing that for a few years. He's been sharing a lot of free frameworks online. You might have seen it before. And as you know, messaging, positioning, and all of that is quite close to my heart because this is probably one of the core marketing foundation out there. That's why I'm so happy to have you, Pedro Cortes, on board. Welcome. Awesome. Super glad to be on the show after, uh, you know, hearing a bunch of episodes and really enjoying it. I mean, I think the no fluff kind of thing is really what I'm all about. And that's really what my blog is about. So I'm super looking forward to dropping some value bombs in this episode. <laughs> some value bombs, huh? Let's see. So first of all, you focus on SaaS companies in particular because you know how to position your business, right? But I think what we're going to talk about together is not only relevant to SaaS company, which stands for software as a service company, but it's probably going to be quite relevant to any, base, any businesses trying to sell stuff online, yeah? Yeah, 100%. It's basically exactly like you said. I just did that to position my business, mainly for personal interest and just creating something that works for SaaS in specific. So that's already a good lesson there. So you position your own consulting business on a specific industry. And it seems like you, don't, you did that because you knew there was some demand there, but also because you had personal interest in it. And I think that's already a good lesson for people to listen to. We talked about positioning multiple times, but that you are an actual example of someone who knows how to position his business. And actually, I would, I would actually encourage anyone listening right now to Google Pedro Cortes or Cortes.design, which is the name of your website, and see how you position yourself and see how you say no to a lot of people who don't fit your profile, make it clear that it's not for everyone. Yeah, I mean, I think that's my secret weapon is just, you know, knowing exactly who I'm targeting and being bold about not really allowing other, uh, you know, the, the rest to, to become clients. I'm always, you know, one thing that uh, I'm pretty aggressive about is when I feel like a company doesn't have like an awesome product uh, uh, or it's not fixing a big pro problem, or it charges like $10 a month. I basically said, oh, don't work with this co those companies because they, they don't fix big problems. And I, don't, I can sell small problems uh, regardless of how good my copy is. So I make that statement pretty bold and uh, it's been working so far. How did you discover that companies that don't have a big problem are not worth pursuing? If, if a company is charging like a lot of money, a SaaS company is charging like a lot of money for their software, maybe 200 bucks a month to a thousand bucks a month or even 10,000 bucks a month or whatever it is, is because they're solving a big problem. They're solving something that is urgent and that's something I can really package up and make obvious. Uh, otherwise, if, you, if you're selling like a productivity tool where there's like 10, then be, 10 billion others and uh, you know, every software developer creates a copy on the side just, just for fun, then you just have way too much, much competition and you're not solving a, a big problem. And I don't believe that's a business. All right. So let's talk together on how to actually you know, get conversions from a landing page, a page that people land on, and without having to change it too much. But before that, based on your experience, it seems like, and from what I've seen as well, 
the biggest thing that, that SaaS companies and companies in general really struggle to do is actually explaining what the fuck their product or service actually does, right? And why people should care about it. I found it extremely difficult to do when you're in the middle of something, when you're part of the business, you know, you tend to forget the basics and you tend to try to overcomplicate everything and make it sound so smart that, you know, you're, you're so smart and, and the people buying from you are so smart. Well, actually, it's, it's much simpler than that. So why do you think, and I've already answered my part of it, but why do you think from your perspective, those companies struggle to explain what their product actually does in simple terms? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it has like a couple of problems there. One, obviously, is you lack the outside perspective. You know, that's that's a huge part of it. The way you can get around it is basically you just have a, if you have like a framework, if you have a step-by-step process to doing this. Uh, basically, what I do with my clients is I actually ask them for these kind of things uh, that help me, uh, that help uh, us both create the, the, the new pages. So essentially, I'm asking them the, the things, uh, but because I'm forcing uh, very hard questions and uh, I'm forcing them, uh, steering them into the right direction. The same people that couldn't, you know, really answer it and were, was lacking the outside perspective, uh, you know, gave me all of the insights that, uh, that I needed. So it's, it's really about having the right questions and thinking about frequently because in, in, my, in my own business, I mean, I don't have the outside perspective, but what I do is every three months, I just look at a uh, set of questions. I ask myself those questions again based on the new insights that I got and I just tweak my positioning and and make it even better every three months or so. Um, So you can definitely do it without outside perspective. You just need to turn it into an actual process and not something that um, it's it's like uh, way too creative. Um, And and the other thing is they just lack the, the, it's, it's, also related to the framework, but it's they, they lack a, a structured way of turning um, like a, a complex, uh, what might be like a complex set of problems into focusing into one big problem and uh, having a um, like a formula for doing all of the pages. So one of my most popular research resources is I just have like a SaaS landing page cheat sheet, which is like a formula for a SaaS landing page. And I just follow that all the time with minimal, uh, minimal tweaks, uh, tweaks. And, uh, and I mean, it just works every time because it's, it's, it's proven and uh, it's just adapted to, to SaaS companies. So your answer to that is basically to use a process and not making it too creative, not trying to reinvent the wheel, right? So thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of companies are in the same space, you know, in the tech space and whatnot. And, and if you try to reinvent the wheel every time, you're going to lose, you're going to lose focus. But Going back to the problem, before we talk about your frameworks and the methodology you have, why is it so difficult for companies to do that? Why is it so difficult to just explain what the fuck your product does? Why do you think is that the case? Yeah, I think I think they're they they, they just lack a little bit of awareness of I mean throughout time, like you said, uh, when they get you in 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 working with a product and and adding features uh, because. I mean, let's be honest, uh, every day they will probably get bombarded with feature requests or, uh, you know, random uh, things that people say that is just noise. Uh, and then they kind of forget about the big problem they're fixing and about the, the their ideal customer. Because when they start getting customers from all over the place, it just kind of gets hard for them to understand where they should double down. And is because their their mind is a little bit overwhelmed, then the messaging uh, that it reflects their minds 
uh, is, can never be specific because their mind is also overwhelmed and the messaging uh, is, can results in, in, in being vague, you know, as well. So yeah, you think that it's 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 because people tend to open their mind to too many out inputs, like too many things, social media, feedback from customer, feedback from their boss, competitors, trends, whatnot. They just get bombarded every day that they just simply can't. It's like a basic input output. They just simply can't output something simple because they have so many complexity, complex shit coming out, uh, coming in every day. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's that's pretty much it. Uh, and to add to that is is basically if you're trying to create a page or come up with a page, you know, make it making it anything like creative. Um, I think you're just making stuff up because what what you have to do is you just have to listen to the customers and then use like a uh, like a small formula that that helps you. Uh, take the, their feedback and and taking their questions and their objections and just answering them with a like a, a detailed formula. So basically, what you're doing is you are you're organizing that info and you're turning it into some some copy uh, instead of just trying trying to come up with things from scratch and uh, making assumptions and then making you know tons of iterations without any improvements. So before we go through this framework and distill that together, right? Because you already hinted at it a few times. Let me challenge you with a question. Like, let's play devil's advocate for a while, for a second. If everyone, if every company is using the same formula that works for everyone, then then every single company will look the same, no? I mean, I wouldn't agree with that because the formula is about explaining the actual product. Uh, it's like how you frame um, your like your offer. So the page would only look similar if the product is similar. And before we even think about the, the messaging, we need to think about the positioning part. So, and the positioning part is basically saying, hey, why are we better than anything else on the market? So 90% of the cases is, it usually comes down to better integrations, better onboarding, you know, easier setup time, better UX, and, um, and better support. Like 90% of the time, that's what it comes up to. And what the formula is about is really explaining that pro uh, that product uh, and making it and highlighting their its best things. But the formula, it's like the result of using the formula is is always different because the product you're trying to explain is uh, you know is different as well. So if I had uh, you know very similar clients, the outcome would be similar. But because we're targeting different, we're targeting even if we target, let's say. If you're using a CRM, maybe you're using a, you're targeting a CRM for different niches. Maybe you're targeting for different stages. Maybe they have uh, they're targeting people that use a different process. So, uh, for instance, for a productivity tool, some people like to use Trello because it has like that Japanese kind of process where you move things around. Maybe other people like to do to do is because they like to focus on the getting things done methodology. So. I mean, to each their own, and there's uh, plenty of space. And the all the formula does is really highlighting uh, the, the the benefits of the of the product and the use cases, and are really uh, you know making it all look the same. Because I mean, I get surprised every time on how different uh, you know things uh, right. come out. So there are there are thousands of parameters, right? As you say, the audience is different, the product is slightly different, the features that you want to highlight are different, the benefits are different. The testimonials are different. Basically, the team is different. So many things that are different. And even if you're in the same space, uh, roughly saying to the same people, the end result would be quite different. So 
I suppose in the next few minutes, we're going to go through this process together and we might give examples related to tech companies, but I want to reassure if you're listening to this episode right now and feeling like, ah, oh, it's for tech people, then I'm going to leave. It's, it's not only for tech people, right? So what you're going to distill uh, in the next few minutes is really relevant to anyone selling stuff online uh, and even, even offline, right? Even in the real world, I think the way... Uh, you have this information laid out. It's pretty clear for everyone to use. I just wanted to mention that again because I don't want this podcast to be just for techies. It's relevant to anyone selling stuff online, even services. So let's say we have a tech company, right? We reach out to you or someone else, but basically we know we want to have a better maybe homepage or landing page that converts better using your formula, like using the process you've put together. That is not magic, right? I mean, that's, you've clearly done a very good job of summarizing it. But it's not like a secret weapon that nobody has, uh, has heard about. It's, it's super simple. That's what makes it super powerful. So maybe you can go through what this process or this framework looks like, and then we can go through step by step. Okay, got it. So I'll try to make like an eye level preview. But really what, the, what this is all about is, one, this is uh, nothing new. I must admit that basically how I learned this is I was just interested in getting into sauce marketing and learning from stuff around. And because I'm also super interested in psychology, uh, when I was studying the articles and the other content around, I was, I was just saying, I was just thinking to myself, uh, okay, this makes no sense. There's no way people would buy based on these, uh, you know, bullshit principles. So what I've done is I spent a few years studying the best copywriters of all time, how they sold this like completely random products uh, with different motivations and so on. It just, they were able to sell them every time and just sell them super predictably. Um, you know, they knew exactly what to do. So I just studied them. Um, and, you know, those, those uh, you know, their work is actually pretty, world, uh, pretty old. So it could be from the 1970s, could be from the 80s or, or whatever. Uh, and I just adapted it to, to, you know, to SaaS and created this framework. So that's all it is about. And basically, if you want to, um, you know, get maximum conversions with minimum iterations, because in, let's say in the startup world or in any kind of business, the more iterations you, you make, it's just, it's just costing you a lot of money. So the way we skip that is we need to think about the goal of the website. This is the, like the core of this process. The goal of the website is being like a salesman that answers all of the objections that um, you know a, a visitor might have. So, if you think of your, of your website, if it needs to answer these four questions, and even if it does answer these questions, you can still improve on how well you're answering them. And most likely, when when companies redesign their website, they never even think about the, these questions. And then, if you don't answer them, is not going to convert. Like if you if you miss one, it's not going to convert well. So the four questions are, um, you know, what problem are you fixing? Um, how are you fixing that problem? Then is why is it better than what I'm currently using? Uh, because that's what you're fighting with. So, uh, for example, for SaaS, you might be fighting uh, fighting with uh, simpler off-the-shelf software, uh, fighting with uh, spreadsheets um, that they're just sick of using and they want something better. Uh, and then the fourth question is why are you better than anything else on the market? And like I said before, is that's usually comes down to, uh, you know, support and better UX and onboarding and the setup times and so on. All right. So let's repeat those four questions. Yeah. So wh what's the problem you're fixing? How do you, how do you solve it? And then what are the last two? 
the last two is why is your product or solution better than what they're currently using? So this is like positioning your product as like a new opportunity and not just something incrementally better than what they're using. Otherwise, there won't be any urgency to try yes. it out. So, uh, you know, if you're, if you're using like a spreadsheet, you just have to, um, you know, really highlight the problems of the spreadsheets and really and saying how many things they can't do with a, with a spreadsheet and how much is costing them. Like the last question is basically just saying, why are you better than anything else on the market? Because you have to remember that a visitor that is at the point where they are, you know, maybe problem aware or solution aware, and they're really looking in like they're almost about to convert, they will look into your competitors because people like to, you know, try to find the best value. Uh, for their money. And if they don't think that's you, they might not make the decision to convert with you and they might convert with someone else that explained that better. Yeah, and thanks for sharing those four questions. So the first two are, I would say, standard. And I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this episode right now, you've heard that before. So what the, what is the problem? How do you fix it? Now, the third one is what I keep repeating on this podcast. A few guests have mentioned the same thing and I'm I'm glad you mentioned that, Pedro. It's what April Dunford would call a competitive alternative and alternatives or whatever else you want to call it. It's what are they doing right now to solve their problem? It does not mean what other tool that is the exact same space than you are they using, right? So if you sell a service, it's the same thing. What are they currently doing right now to try to solve their problem? And sometimes you mentioned spreadsheets. Actually, in the tech world, spreadsheets are the main alternatives for most products, right? You can, yep. you can have a spreadsheet instead of Trello. You can have a spreadsheet instead of a to-do list. You can have a spreadsheet in term of, instead of project management. I mean, it's endless. And the other alternative that I see happening a lot that marketers forget about is doing nothing, right? An alternative could be simply not trying to solve the problem, having it, but not trying to do anything about it, right? So that's what you're competing against. And then finally, the last question that is much more geared towards what people currently do is, you know, what is, what is unique about you compared to competitors? So the obvious question I have for you is, one, how do you find those four questions out? And then two, how do we put that together in a nice page? Awesome. Uh, I'll try to answer them uh, one at a time. So basically, all of these insights uh, can come from uh, frequent questions. They can come from reviews on websites like Capterra or G2 Crowd or, or anything similar, uh, depending on... Uh, you know, how low touch or high touch your, your approach is. But I usually work with companies that do demos. So that's, uh, you know, always better. And the way you find those insights is you just record the demos and sometimes you implement them during the sales process. These insights are super obvious when you, when you actually um, want to learn from them. So let's say if you're, you don't have to listen to the entire demo because most of the time they're just like showing the tool and everything. So you just want to look at, um, like the beginning of the call and the, the, the last part of the call. Uh, the reason why is at the beginning, they will tell you how they found you and why they decide to book a call right now and tells you the, the urgency and uh, how they got sick of their current way of doing things, the current way they're doing, um, they're using to solve their problem. Uh, and at, at the um, end of the call it is when like the salesperson is trying to say, hey, do you want to s sign up right now? I can create an account for you. I can, um, you know, move your data or whatever it is. Uh, because when when people, when the salesperson asks, asks them to commit is when they'll ask the, the biggest objections. So that's where 90% of the um, insights come from at the beginning at, in, at the end of the calls. And then if you look at the reviews, 
we can look for pa patterns, let's say on Captor or G2Cry or something. We can look for patterns. And uh, usually the best reviews are the ones that are the longest because that's our, uh, those are the people that can describe their problems better. So they are the ones that um, you know are the most aware about their problems and the solution they wanted. Yeah, thanks for, for going through that. So what I like about this method of capturing data is that you don't have to get out of your way and interview people, surveying them and whatnot. It turns out that most of the data that you need is basically available to you just not to, to grab it somewhere, right? So if you're selling, if I don't know, if you're a book author or if you're selling electronic stuff, in Amazon, you probably have reviews about you know your product and competitor products. So uh, in the tech world, as you say, you have Captera, G2 Crowd, that kind of services. In your, in your industry, whatever it is, there must be a place where you can look at reviews from actual customer uh, who are actually writing about your stuff. And I like what you said about the length of it. Uh, the more committed people are, the, the lengthier the answer, the more likely they are, like people are quite thorough. And those are like the, the most difficult people to, to convince if they're not super convinced yet, right? So once you've collected, like let's say you go through those reviews, you, you go through a few demos, how do you put it together into a coherent uh, answer to each of those questions? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Actually, I think this is the easy part because, I mean, most of the results come from how well you identify those objections in, let's say, step one. So now step two, which would be, uh, you know, to actually put them on a page. That's why I created a formula, because I believe the work, like the most meaningful work is, is in, the, in the step one. So if, to try to give you a, a high level version of the formula and something that is more easier to consume on a podcast and, and to picture. Uh, and that would be the most universal for other people that are listening, you know, and they don't have a SaaS product or, or anything similar. And keep in mind, I use this for my own, for my own uh, business. So it, I mean, it, this is as universal as it can get. Uh, so the first section would be about uh, the header and really the header is just, just like the top of the page. And the goal there is just to, um, give a hint of the results you can get. Uh, so usually you can ask a question uh, and saying, um, I mean, what if you could have this X result without, uh, you know, this main problem? That's like a new universal formula. It's just, uh, it's just like super easy to use um, and it just works every time. The goal of that section is to create cur curiosity and saying, how the hell are they, are they solving this problem or how the hell are they getting this such good results? Uh, because you can't explain the entire, your entire offer uh, on that part of the page. So what that section has to do is just help you read the other ones until people understand the product and they feel like converting at any stage of the page. Right. Um, then the other, the other part would be introducing the problem. Actually, most SaaS companies don't do this, but uh, other other types of companies uh, do. Is you want to introduce the big problem you're fixing. So in the headline, you might say one good headline that I've seen recently is uh, you know 40% of fail pay of uh, churn is due to fail payments. So that's the big problem is is churn. And then this, they explain this is from churnbuster.io by the way. And and then they explain the smaller problems that lead to fail payments. So that's the perfect way to do it. So on the headline, you said you talk about the main problem and then the smaller problems that lead to the big problem. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And then only after that is you want to introduce the solution because what that, the, the section number two does is it quantifies the, how painful and how much money it's costing them to, to not fix the problem and just triggers an investment mindset that you're going to need if you want people to take action. And then you just explain the solution and the solution is, is you're basically going to say how your product fixes that big problem. It's fairly simple. You just make it like a step one, we do this. Like an exercise that I usually do is imagine a, cl a customer comes to you with a, s a set number of problems. How would you go about fixing them in, in order? And that's how kind of you explain that section. I think it's like the simplest one. And then social proof is just showing uh, you know, actual results. So we saved X amount of hours a week or we got this amount of money. Um, you know, just trying to focusing on a result as much as possible and making it relatable. So if, I, if I'm a, a CEO and I'm looking at a product for, you know, uh, CEOs or something, I want to see testimonial from CEOs so I can picture myself getting the same results they're getting. So social proof has to be relatable and has to show results. You know, normal testimonials don't really work anymore. People are just becoming numb to that because everyone is using it. You just have to get them right. And then like, uh, just to finish uh, up the formula is just having the call to actions. And uh, because people went through your entire page and they now understand your pro uh, product better and they believe they you can fix their problems. Um, and you just want to make it easy for them to convert. And a good call to action uh, is not about the copy of the button or, or is not about the color of the button, which is kind of nonsense. Uh, it's really about reversing the risk and creating urgency. Uh, so reverse, uh, reversing the risk could be, hey, you have a 14-day trial or you, you'll get a 30-day money-back guarantee or we have monthly contracts or you, it doesn't require a credit card, whatever it is. And creating urgency is showing, hey, um, the formula I usually use is other companies are already using our product to get X results. When will you? And also like the logos of the, of the companies. So it could be other companies are already using um, you know, this CRM to close more leads, when will you? That that just creates the FOMO that gets people to take action. So to summarize the header, to, to create curiosity, explanation of the, what the problem is and the sub-problems that, that it has, like really diving into the pain, talking about how your product or service fix uh, this problem, uh, social proofing it by, with actual customer and testimonials. I have a few things to say on testimonial. And then finally, a call to action with a with something that answers an objection and like lead to urgency uh, with, with a guarantee or like maybe doubling your money, like double your money back if you're not happy. That kind of really removing all the risk. So I want to say two things on that. First, I mean, three actually. First, thank you so much for sharing all of this. We'll go through it in more detail. Uh, the second part is what I like about this system. It's, uh, it's, it's really linked to one of the rule of copywriting, which is about, you know, the rule is, is to make you read the second sentence, the third sentence, right? So that's, the, that's the aim of the first sentence, is to make you read the second sentence, the third one, the fourth one. It's not about trying to put everything into one sentence that means everything. It's really making them read, right? That's, that's what copywriting is all about. And yeah, exactly. Your framework follows that. The, the third point of testimonial, and I'm glad you mentioned the fact that everyone does it, so therefore it's losing its value. Um, I think Sean Souza, who's the... Um, the author of the brain audit, which is about landing pages, and, and there's a few things that are similar to your approach, is has a very, very nice way to talk about testimonial. For him, it almost treats testimonial as its own article. 
with its own headline and they are long as fuck, right? They are really long. They might be three, four paragraphs long. They use the actual word of people and it actually is there to debunk objections. It's each testimonial is really a weapon to debunk the objection of people that they have in their head, right? And I would really encourage people to try this approach instead of the basic three line that is just bland. You can feel it's been written by a marketer and not by a customer. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and I mean, I think when it's getting you know so noisy and uh, all of these people are using it and, and just making testimonials up, I think probably video testimonials would, uh, would be like uh, way better. And not just those you know, professional ones that, you know, they seem scripted and so on. You know, it's just like amateur kind of things. You pop up your, like a selfie video is, you know, kind of how they call it. I, I think that's uh, super cool. Um, I haven't uh, been able to try that with one of my clients because, you know, it's B2B and they're kind of, they, they, they are feel fearful of being that informal. Um, but yeah, I, I think it works super well. Uh, and one good point that you mentioned is um, during, when I explained this, like the solution, Sometimes I use testimonials to back it up. So one example from ConvertKit, uh, like a random example from the internet, because uh, they, they do that on every part of the, on how they explain the solution. So if they're talking about, hey, we have um, tons of integrations, they had like a testimonial from a guy saying, hey, the, Shopif the Shopify integration is seamless. Uh, you know, they really help you make sure the integrations work really well. So now the person thinks, uh, you know, not only do I have 80 plus integrations, uh, they are also well done and they are seamless and they don't have any bugs or something. Yep, exactly. So like, this is why testimonials, like that's why I use the word weapons, even though I'm not necessarily a big fan of the word itself. It's not, we are not in a fucking war, but anyway, it's a good way to, to really, you need to use them for the right reasons. You just don't, you just don't plunk a testimonial somewhere because you want to, you plunk a testimonial somewhere because it answers an objection or because as you said, it goes further and explain the benefit better or because it's using maybe words that you want to, that you've been repeating elsewhere and just reemphasize your point. So everything there is there for a reason, right? Everything in the process, in the, in the, in the template or the, the framework you've shared is there for a reason. There's no superfluous information. Yeah, exactly. Just so you don't have to think about it and everything falls into place. Like, um, you just ask yourself these questions, you find the information, you use the formula and the content falls into place exactly. You, you have like everything you need. And uh, I mean, you just don't have to think about it. It, it removes the creativity uh, and uh, the unpredictability out of, uh, you know, doing the, the landing pages and, and the conversion optimization. So let's go through how to do it in, in, in a bit like more detail, maybe, because we, I want to go back to the research part and how you actually translate this research into the first header section, for example, and the second section, which is about the problem, which I think are the, probably the top two, uh, the most important part, because that's the first thing people see, right? So how do you make sure that you nail the problem? Because you can have multiple problems from experience, a tool can solve many different problems with different wording, different alternatives to describe them. How do you pick the, the main one and how do, how do you know that this is it? Yeah, got it. So, um, you know, the problem is like the, the most difficult thing to uncover because that's the thing you need to do uh, like a lot of digging. And the thing about the problem is um, 
is, is, is not really, there's always like an underlying problem. And the one that you're selling is like the, the underlying one and not like the service level one. Because if you explain a service level problem, then they, they're not really going to convert. So um, like, do you have it, like any example of a, a, a let's, you know, just make up a, a company and, and just try to uncover that problem? So maybe you can, instead of making up one, maybe you can talk about a past client without mentioning their name, but maybe mentioning the space they're in and see how you vanquered the problem. Okay, got it. So, you know, to try to give you an idea is, uh, I can give you two recent examples that come to mind that have, uh, where the problem they thought they were solving is completely different than uh, what they actually were solving. Yes. So one example from uh, like a CRM, which is like the most competitive thing in SaaS is, they thought that they had some sort of, um, you know, simple CRM that people can, uh, you know, it's fairly similar. It's just targeted to targeted to B2C sectors. So like the call centers, um, you know, the high value B2C sectors. So insurance companies and, and financial companies and, and so mm -hmm. on. Uh, the ones that call you and annoy you all the time. Mm -hmm. that everyone hates okay and and basically th that's what they thought they do which they were just a crm and so on and what we found is they were a, a crm they're the only crm that can manage hundreds of thousands of leads but they were also uh, easy to use and the way we found that out is uh, uh, which is like the question that uh, uh, that gives us the the biggest insights is uh, whenever uh, a customer converts from a, uh, a competitor, uh, which is like way harder to convert someone from a competitor. Uh, it's when you get the most insight. So you want to ask what was missing from the other tools. So you, they would get uh, random people like saying, oh, we've tried Salesforce, we've tried this and that. And it just like super harder to use. Uh, we had to change our sales process and so on. So basically what they wanted is they wanted something easy to use. It can handle hundreds of thousands of leads and they didn't have to change their process. So that was like the, the, the core problem is just not having something that is easy to use and predictable and doesn't have to change the entire company when they have, you know, hundreds, uh, like a hundred salespeople. So uh, let's deconstruct what you just said because it's super important and you just said it as if it's, it's nothing, but it's really, really critical here what you mentioned. So you mentioned in, in the last few minutes, you mentioned looking at reviews, you mentioned sitting on demos. But you had to mention that, which I think is even more powerful. So no, making sure that whatever you sell, ask those people who come to you because they left a competitor of yours. Like we are talking about direct competition here, right? And ask them why, right? Is that what yeah. you're saying? And with this client, you basically, how did you capture this info? Like, was it just on, on demo calls? Was it on survey? How did you capture this information for them? Yeah, so um, they they had um, two really good sources. So one, they had like a public trust pilot uh, page uh, where they actually had a, a ton of a ton of uh, good insights. Uh, all I usually do is whenever they have those reviews, I just uh, throw them in into a Google Doc, like copy and pasting them, and just I just go through with them with my clients and start highlighting things, and then remove the other ones, uh, and, and those actually become the testimonials on the websites as well, um, and. And the other way is, uh, there's actually like two smaller ways of doing this, is you either implement this into the sales process, is uh, you, uh, you can ask, oh, I have, how have you tried to fix the, this problem? Have you tried this tool 
Have you tried that tool? What was missing, right? You want to kind of implement this in the sales process. And uh, in their in their case, they actually had um, the company was 11 years old. So and and they the, their head of sales that still does the demos. Um, she has been with the company for the 11 years. Wow. So she had basically all of the insights in their mind, like in her head. So I just had to ask the right questions and everything, uh, you know, fell into place. And that's usually what happens, right? People who are internal, who have been here for a long time, they start to take things for granted and, and find things obvious. But then customers or prospects leading, landing on your website or checking you out, they don't know those stuff, right? So you need to make it super explicit. So again, one way to really discover what is the core problem you're solving is to ask people who converted over a, another competitor and ask them why. And so from this example, you managed to understand that they were not yet another CRM. They were actually the only CRM that was easy to use that was handling such a high volume, right? Which is complex, I suppose, in a CRM. You can't have, it's usually difficult to have uh, both a high number of contacts and the easiness of use. Yeah. And I must say, like, after that, they, uh, you know, when someone looks at that website, it's like they don't have any competition because no one else is offering that. Yep. And they had offered, they were offering that for a long time, but they didn't package it right the right way. And so people didn't necessarily get it. So I love this example. Uh, and I, I'm hoping that you have another one to share because it's really good. Yeah, I have one uh, that is basically like a software for that one is a really good uh, way of reframing products uh, problems is uh, they were selling like a software for car dealerships um, and they were helping them um, improve their performance. That's basically what they're saying. We we help you make better, faster reports. So they're doing uh, reports manually and they didn't really exactly know, um, you know, where the revenue opportunities were. And with car dealerships, I mean, we were talking about hundreds of thousands of pounds uh, just because it was in, U- in the UK. Um, and, and really, they were saying, hey, here's how you can make faster reports, faster performance reports. And obviously, it wasn't really working because no one really cares about the reports. Everyone thinks the reports are a pain in the ass because they take uh, you know, two to eight, uh, to eight weeks. So we have to talk about a different problem. So... Uh, the way I mentioned that is I basically uh, helped them um, reverse engineer that the problem wasn't really the performance the, the performance reports. It was that they couldn't highlight the revenue opportunities. So, so exactly what I what I mentioned is here's how you can identify missed revenue opportunities by measuring your performance. So they both know how they can get the results and they sell the result they want because all they want is getting more sales because with call dealerships, if you don't hit your targets, you might lose your license. So that's a big point. That's a big pain. And that's exactly what they wanted. Um, And I I mean, it's just like a a night and day uh, difference because instead of selling reports, now I'm saying, hey, here's how you can make more sales every day. I'll tell you how to make more sales every day. And then, uh, you know, it just... Made, made a huge difference. And so that, that difference is, was really get to the main problem, which you just briefly mentioned in a sense that, as you said, they might lose their fucking license. That's, that's what is in their head every day. Like we need to make sales or else we're going to lose our license. That's this powerful pain that you want to solve. And when, you, when you're able to trigger this pain in your copy, I suppose the results speak for themselves. So how did you find that out? 
like from this perspective, how do you find out that that was the problem you needed to solve? I mean, I, I just asked the right questions because the founders, uh, they actually worked with car dealerships and in the car industry for 30 years. So all I had to do is pull in the right answers and, and really try to understand uh, because I kept asking, you know, um, maybe I would ask, uh, you know, why do they want, what kind of targets do they set? Do they set for quarterly targets, monthly targets? And then, you know, basically the, the founder mentioned they, they set uh, like a bunch of targets all the time. And then I mentioned, um, yeah, so what's the problem of not hitting them? Uh, and basically he mentions, oh, this industry works based on bonuses. So not only they might lose their, their license, they lose on a 200,000 pound bonus from the, um, from the dealership. For, not the dealership, like the, the brand, like the car brand. Let's say they're a BMW dealership. BMW would give them like a 200,000 yeah. 200, pound bonus. And uh, to uncover the problem even deeper is they didn't care about revenue. They didn't care about selling cars because they made money selling insurance and selling car services. So the when we mentioned what kind of revenue opportunities we highlighted, we didn't highlight, uh, even though they, the product did highlight those things, we didn't say, here's how you can sell more cars. We we're saying, here's how you can sell more services and tell your customers, hey, uh, you need to change your tires um, um, or try to upsell your uh new car sales into, you know, having, um, using a lease or, or, or a better insurance package or whatever. So what you mentioned just there is yet another source to get to the, to the problem, right? So you've actually talked to the founders of the, the solution you work with and you got lucky because those people were really, really close to the industry, as you said, for 30 years. Now, it's not always the case that the founders or the CEO or the managers or whoever in the industry actually actually in the company actually understand the industry so well but for in this case they knew it right they knew it very well so all you had to do is to dig into the the pain points um and so that's outside of what we mentioned before we, you mentioned review websites right you mentioned uh sitting on demos you mentioned asking customers who uh who came from a direct competitor and and switch over to you why did they change uh, the company why did they go after you so that's all brilliant. What if you had to pick one question that can be translated anywhere, right? That could be asked to customers or to the CEO of the company. Like, what would it be? What What is the most important question to ask yourself or to ask your customer to really get to this problem? I think I think the number one question is really asking, uh, you know, why is your product better than anything else on the market? Why do you think people are choosing you over anything else? Because if you have customers and you have competitors. They are choosing you. You're just not making that uh, decision conscious. So th that's where you need to dig through uh, if I had to choose one question. Right. Nice. Okay. So I think you gave really uh, two really good examples. I'm almost tempted to ask you if you have a third one in mind. Yes, I do. <laughs> Let's go for it then. I mean, I, I didn't have it initially, but then it, it, come, it came to mind. Uh, so another example would be, would be this company selling uh, a software to... Um, you know, recover abandoned carts. So whenever you go to an e-commerce store and you add something to your cart, but then you don't buy it, basically the e-commerce companies send uh, emails saying, they're basically saying, hey, why did you buy? Please buy it now. That's, that's basically what their emails say. Their emails suck. And what the company did is, uh, you know, the founders were also super knowledgeable about this because they had their own uh, e-commerce uh, 
uh, stores. And um, what they did is they would send uh, custom text messages and they would ask why. Um, and and then they will get all of these insights and and then they would, with a small discount, uh, convert uh, way more people. So basically on their website, they were saying, hey, use text messages to recover abandoned cards. So uh, what that did is the visitors were looking at their website and they were thinking, um, I mean, I don't need this. I'm already using email. Why the hell would I, uh, you know, add another channel if mm -hmm. I'm already using email? Uh, but then when I dig through with, with one of the founders is I found they were getting a 20% recovery rate on the abandoned cards. And, and emails only get 5 to 7%. So what I, uh, what I did is, I mean, just screw everything else and we're just going to sell our results. So the headline actually says, who else wants 21% of abandoned cards? And then I say 21%, that's the average our customers get. Um, and then I mentioned, uh, we don't use emails and we don't require any time on your end. So that creates a curiosity of saying, how the hell are they getting 3x more results than uh, everyone else. And basically that's what we did is we didn't sell the solution. We didn't sell the process. We sold the results of, of using their process of using text messages because previously they were just selling the text messages themselves and no one really cared. And that's the prime example of what we talk about with competitive alternative. In this example, the alternative is not another text software, uh, text marketing software. It's actually an email marketing software, right? that actually yep. sends recovered uh, abandoned email. And it's obvious when you talk about it now, like everyone listening to this right now are like, duh, it's obvious, that's the obvious stuff. But it's actually not super obvious when you don't have this one thing. And you said something important that was mentioned many, many times over, screw everything else, right? This is the beauty of like good marketing, good, good messaging, good positioning. You pick one thing and you fucking go at it, right? That's what you've done in every example you mentioned. You just pick one thing and you nail it instead of trying to mention, well, this is what you should suggest and this is also why and this is that. You just dilute everything, right? Yeah. Uh, and to add to that, to your point is, uh, one, I'm pretty sure that they didn't even mention that result throughout the entire website, which was kind of ridiculous. When I found that out, I was, I, I pretty much didn't even ask any more questions. I just sold our result and and didn't really care. And the results for that were amazing. Uh, um, I mean, I'm not going to share it because it's a client kind of thing, but the results are probably like the one of the best ones uh, I've got. And the other thing is uh, that you mentioned about, um, you know, just trying to, to answer these things and focusing, um, you know, on one thing is, I mean, when we focus on, on one thing, uh, it's just everything makes way more sense. And uh, it just makes everything more simple because whenever you're selling, if you're trying to, uh, you know, explain a lot of features or explain a lot of benefits or explain a lot of use cases and you don't explain the main ones, um, uh, people are just going to get overwhelmed and just they're going to raise unnecessary objections. Uh, so, oh, does it work with this kind of uh, tool or how the hell can I get started with this? And then you're just kind of raising objections. And whenever you're raising an objection, you're just killing the urgency. So it's not only talking about the, the right benefits um, and, and the right use cases, it's only talking about the, the ones they care about the most. Otherwise, you're going to overwhelm them and they're not going to take action. Yeah. Even though the most important thing has been mentioned, the fact that you dilute it with other messages 
is exactly as you say, going to drive more objections. People are going to have more concerns. They're not going to take action. This is the reason, this is about decision paralysis, right? This is why the conundrum of in supermarkets, the more product you show, the less likely people are, are willing to, uh, to take action and buy. That's actually been proven time and time again in behavioral economics, where the more products you show, the less people are going to buy, which is quite counterintuitive, but it's the truth. Another one that I'm, I'm going to forget the name of this principle of, or this uh, psychological bias, but uh, people are much more likely to remember the first thing you mentioned them in a list of anything, right? So if you really want to just have like them to remember five things, forget about it. They're going to remember the first thing way better. And that's going to actually prime them for the rest. So you much you better just start to pick one thing and just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. People don't give a shit about your brand. They don't care about your product. They only care about what it can do for them. And you need to just give them one thing to remember or else you've already lost them. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a perfect point. Uh, I think it just tells about our... Um, how focus is is what really generates most of the results. And one idea that came to mind is what, when you mentioned that is uh, one thing, one of the questions that I also ask and uh, usually gets a ton of insights is how do people uh, recommend your product? Because like you said, people only remember one thing. So they, uh, they uh, just explain it really simply and, and, and then you can really see the, like the number one, feature or the number one problem it's solving for them so maybe um you know may, maybe you ask a customer and he, he recommended to a friend let's say oh this is like the stripe for um you know this is like the stripe of the crms i mean however they describe it oh or maybe they say oh this is how i told you i was uh you know getting this result in in half the time um and yeah. and, and then you find out you find out uh, you know what they really care about because when they recommend this to a friend they usually recommend it with uh, like a one sentence so it has tremendous focus and and they use their own words they don't use marketing lingo and marketing bullshit so yeah the question i like to ask is in your own words how do you recommend this product to your friends or colleague, right? And this question is always so good because yeah, it just, the same thing comes up over and over again. It's the 80-20 rule. It's just so fascinating to see 20%, like 80% of the time you'll have the same fucking thing appearing. Like it just, it just, it never fails. It's, it's, it's a really good question. So thanks for mentioning it. So just let me summarize briefly what, what you mentioned. Four questions. Uh, what's the problem? Um, how do you solve it? What is the competitive alternative? Like basically, what are the, the alternatives in the market? And then how are you different from direct competitors? Uh, and then you mentioned the, the framework itself, which is about like the, the header for curiosity, uh, the problem, making sure that people understand what the problem is, how does your product solve it, uh, the social proof, uh, like the customer and actual testimonials of people going through it, and then call to action urgency, uh, making sure that people take action today and not tomorrow and don't find any excuse to do so. Have I forgotten anything? I mean, I, I think that's really about it. Then it's just about, you know, it just sounds way too simple, but it's because it's focused on, on the right things. And uh, what you need to do is focus, focusing on answering those questions. And that's pretty much all you need. If that sounds uh, way too simple to you, try to answer them because you're not going to be able to answer them, yeah. uh, you know, at first try. And try to avoid decision by committee. This is what kills marketing and marketing ideas. Chances are, if you share this to your colleagues and your boss and everyone has a fucking opinion, it's going to turn into a Frankenstein, right? Instead, 
really focus on one thing and you need to have an owner to take decision and say, you know what, let's take a risk here. Let's go for that. Let's A-B test and see if it works better. Yeah. I mean, I agree a hundred percent. So Pedro, thanks so much for taking the time to do that. I've quizzed you quite a lot. You share three actual examples with practical tips and an actual framework. I know from experience that listeners love this. So thank you. What do you think marketers should learn today that will help them in the next 10 years, 20 years, 50 years? Okay. I mean, honestly, I think uh, I'm a little bit biased, but I think copywriting is is like the, the foundation of marketing. Uh, not because, not only because it helps you sell stuff, is because it it helps you, uh, you know, package your offers. So whenever whenever you try to come up with a new product, uh, you're just gonna be able to sell it way better because um, when you think of a product idea, you're already thinking automatically how you're going to sell it and uh, the requirements of, uh, you know, what you need to do to sell it perfectly. So you'll know exactly who to sell it to, at what stage, uh, exactly what problem you're focused on. And it just makes things, you know, as fail-proof as, as possible. I think, um, you know, like I said, I'm a little bit biased, but old school copywriting is really where it's at. Um, I would ignore everything else uh, on the marketing scene and, and, uh, and just study that. Uh, that's actually what I do. And it's, Working pretty well. Yeah, same here. Uh, so you mentioned at the very start, actually, that this framework and what you shared is really on the back of old copywriting books. And that's the next question I have for you. What are the top three resources you recommend listeners? And maybe you have some books to share. Yeah, I mean, for sure thing. Uh, I think anything from Dan Kennedy is great because Dan Kennedy is uh, an all-around, is not only uh, well-known for copywriting, he also has like a, a bunch of other books about uh, you know, pricing strategy and so on. Uh, the guy just knows a ton of stuff and he knows how to use copywriting uh, with all those other principles. So I think he's the perfect example. He has like 13, 13 books. Um, and I mean, I'm sure every everything is, is pretty good. I have a bunch of them um, as well. So anything from Dan Kennedy uh, is, is, is awesome. Um, the perfect book for beginners is Breakthrough Copywriting. I don't like to recommend things from David Olgavy and uh, and so on because I think it's too complex and I think that's uh, I think it misses the point of you know making it super actionable and implementing into your mindset of of selling stuff. So breakthrough copywriting is the best book uh, for beginners. It's like super short and it's probably one of the most actionable books I've I've tried. And um, and yeah, like I said, just removing all of those other distractions. I also really like uh, the books from Russell Brunson, Brunson like the Dotcom Secrets and the Expert Secrets. Um, it kind of seems weird that uh, coming from a guy that seems like the face of of noise, uh, you know, in the modern day. But the guy is super smart, and I know for a fact that I studied the guy because I, I studied the guys uh, he learned from. Uh, so I instead of learning from him, I just try to learn from uh, the guys that that ta uh, taught him. And, uh, you know, I found all of those patterns and his, his books are amazing. Not going to lie. Nice. I've never heard of the second book you mentioned, Breakthrough Copywriting. And I agree with you, Ogilvy and all of those classics are, like, they are, they're a handful. They are difficult to digest, especially for beginners. So I'm going to check that out because uh, it's always better and always good to keep learning of copywriting. Pedro, once again, really appreciate your time. Really appreciate the, the practical, actionable tips you shared with us today. Uh, where can listeners connect with you, learn more from you? 
Yeah, awesome. You know, listeners can go to my website, like Cortez at Design. Uh, they can find a bunch of resources because I have uh, my blog. I have free resources. I actually have templates of the actual questions you can ask. I have them from free. You don't even have to put your email in. Um, I have like a bunch of videos as well. And if you follow me on, on LinkedIn, I also post like a lot of videos there and provide as much value as possible. Uh, you can email me at pedro at Cortez at Design and ask me any questions. And uh, I mean, I'm just happy to, to help and, and learn from other people's problems. Fabulous. Thanks so much, man. Awesome. That's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. And this is the moment where I tell you to subscribe to our email list. So before you leave and go to another podcast or listen to another episode, I don't treat email list uh, the way people usually treat their email list. I really treat that as a, as a one-to-one conversation. So I'm going to send you very short and personal emails every two weeks, I would say. We, I'll inform you of guests in advance. I'll share with you my numbers and how many listens we get and I'll also ask you for your feedback in terms of the questions we can ask future guests and perhaps I can also uh, have you on the show uh, someday so don't be afraid to subscribe I'm not going to spam you and you can always unsubscribe for sure if you wish the second thing we need from you is your harsh and honest feedback we know that this show is not perfect yet and we always Uh, can improve so you can send us your email at feedback at everyonehatesmarketers.com good or bad please feel free to send me an email and the last thing I like uh, from you is that if you did like the episode please share it to your friends your colleagues or whoever might like it and also please review it on iTunes or another service that you might use to listen to your podcast because if you leave us a five-star review it means that more people would be likely to listen and we can spread the word quicker So thank you so much once again and au revoir. And that's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at everyonehatesmarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply. Juma said, your content attacks the mind primarily, which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do, but we don't have the courage to do it our way. Mark, who just subscribed a couple uh, days before, said, this is my first issue of your newsletter. Love it. Glad I subscribed. Brianna said, I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one, came through the list, two, select all unread industry email except yours, three, delete and don't think twice, four, quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content that's coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.